0: It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I'm going to preach a sermon entitled, Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. because many of us listening today have gone through at one point in time an experience where you're praying through something. You're praying through something concerning your health. You're praying through something concerning your career. You're praying through something concerning your relationships or whatever it is. And you don't seem to find answers. or You just don't seem to break through. You just don't seem to pray through. You don't seem to see Results in your life of prayer, predominantly because many times we ignore that there are principles or laws that are set for us to pray or function efficiently, effectively in the things of God. And most importantly, that like the Bible says in Hebrews that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not brought about by things which do appear. That is a very fundamental law to understand how to transact between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. That's the law of translation. That's the law of interpretation. That everything we see in the physical realm has its foundation and realities in the world that is not seen. The spirit realm is more real than the physical realm. Yet it's not tangible. Because reality is not in the realm of things a man can see, test, touch. Here. It's not in the realm of the five senses. You remember Thomas saying I doubt he's raised. And Jesus says come and what? Touch my palms and see. He had to touch to believe that this is the same man who is raised. Why? Because we have many people who only believe by the realm of senses. They define something as real by the realm of senses. They think that they're sick because they sense sickness. They feel sickness. They think that they are healed because they don't feel any pain. You see, that's a very inferior life to live. It's a very carnal kind of life to live. You follow what I'm saying? So, to define reality... So a man who lives in this material world and has not yet tested or understood how the world that brings all of this which you see functions. It's a hard conversation because you need to firstly tell them or help them understand that realities are relative. What you define as real is not necessarily real or could differ or would have variations. You're following me? So, when we are talking about the world which is physical, the world which you see, God has said, everything you see here, that human being you're next to, that chair that you sit next to, that home you go to, that car that you drive, every design in the world, every art, every shape, every form of thing that you see in the physical world was actually brought about by a world you do not see. Isn't it so dangerous to see a progressive manifestation or appearance of things like the Bible says, things which do appear? That's why it is present continuous. You agree? Things which do appear, present continuous. So, oh yes, you see somebody builds a building somewhere and say, Oh, Skars built a very nice skyscraper, but it has appeared. In the physical realm, the language is it has appeared. It began from nothing. There are laws. That have furnished the building of this skyscraper for you to be able to see physically. And it's more than uh, brick and mortar. It's more than cement and tile. It's more than lights and glass. There's a spirit that brings that to manifestation. There are laws that bring that to manifestation. Not every plan that has been drawn by an architect or even approved by the councils has been built. Not everything many of you are thinking to build has actually been built. Do you agree? But there is a power that makes these things physical. You see? Do not underestimate the power that brought you in this world. Because at one point, you existed in a certain realm where some don't appear or some, when they appear, they're not given the opportunity to live this life in the physical realm. You see, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. That means you had an identity in the other world, but physically, nobody saw you. Are you following what I'm saying? And God tells you, this is continuous. So that means you have to learn how the world that creates, brings to manifestation, unveils things, functions, unveiling apocalypses. You see, the light to shine on the things you must see in that realm and the light for the eyes to see the things you must see in that realm. Because if you took a blind man in a room full of light, you won't be able to see. You agree? But also, if you took a man who can see in a dark room, he will not be able to see. So those are the two lights, two fundamental lights that are necessary for a man to walk in the power of apocalypses, the unveiling of things. You see, what cannot be seen in the spiritual cannot be manifested in the physical. It doesn't mean that it's not existent. You just don't see it. For as far as your eyes can see, he says, that I have what? I have given you. If your eyes not able to see it, you cannot walk in it. Are you following me this far? But yet it's amazing, like I said earlier, that many people in this realm have no clue of how it functions. Or actually, some of you are misguided and misinformed about how this realm works. I'll give you an example. Like the natural laws, okay? So they are spiritual laws. Did you know that when you became born again, you were called to live constantly in the spiritual. realm. Did you know that? You were called to live constantly in the spiritual. realm. That's where you live. You see what I'm saying? When Paul says, I'm dead, yet I live, Yet not I, but Christ liveth. And the life that I now live, he says, I live by the faith of the son of God who gave himself freely for me. You are called to live in the spirit. You have a body, but you're called to live in the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? You are seated, for example, with Christ far above all principality and powers. Where is that place? Is it physical? It's spiritual. But then you have had individuals say something like, especially those of us who have been in church for a long time, traditional church, was worship time. So they'll tell us, we're going to worship God. Close your eyes and we enter the spirit realm. Huh? And then they're telling you to close your eyes so that you can enter the what? The spirit some people say, I was in the spirit. I'm in the spirit. Why? Because of some sense of feeling. Eh? Something goes through, and then you get some goosebumps, so your forehead starts to heat up, and then you say, Ah, now I'm in the spirit. Okay? And then you start worshiping, and then worshiping, and then there you start functioning. And then at the end of the service, the person who is leading the program to invite the preacher says, Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back from the what? The throne. You see? And then you sit in service and your pastor is preaching. You're away from the presence. Hmm? And then I have had preachers who have designed this indifferent kind of process. Eh? How to enter the spirit. And they teach you how to enter the spirit. So that means the Christian is only entering the spirit to do something and then they come out and stay kind That means how? You are in trouble. No wonder trouble does not leave you because you are exposed to any form of attacks. If flu comes, it has to enter you. You know, we have people like that. If it's a season of flu, they have to get flu. If it's a season of COVID, they have to get it. Because you're available to everything. You're available to every spirit. The principalities of that nation are for you. The rulers and spirits of wickedness in high places, when they come, they don't leave you. Why? Because you are available to them. God has called us to live in the spirit. That's why, in Paul is speaking to Galatians, he says, "If we live in the spirit, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit also." But the word there, "if," means it's a choice. You can choose. To live in the spirit or simply activate it to get there and then do what you're supposed to do and then come back and live a normal life. That's so dangerous because God has not called you to live that way. He has called you to constantly live in the spirit and he says like you live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit also. Walk in the spirit also. Walk. That means function. That's my point, that the spirit realm is not a place of passive abandonment. You're just watching things as they're going by. No, the spirit realm is a realm of participation. The spirit realm is a realm of application. The spirit realm is a realm of indulging. The spirit realm is a realm of doing what you're supposed to do when you are supposed to do it. And the Bible says, exercise yourself unto godliness. What does that mean? This is the place that makes you fit, such that when you are in the spirit, you are fit. You are capable. You are sufficient to function the way you're supposed to function in progressing to help other people as well who are stuck in that place. In keeping your realm pure and consecrating your frequencies. Physics tells us that everything in the world is under some sort of vibration. But how do you keep the right vibrations around you? This is normal physics. They discovered it. It's normal physics. You understand what I'm saying? How do you keep the right influence around you? How do you let out certain things to stay without and allow the right stuff to come in? By knowing how to function here. Christians don't understand this world. Devil worshippers, they understand it. In their realm. In the fallen realm, they understand it. They are more functional in the fallen realm than we are functional in the realm of light and truth. That's why the Bible says that the children of this world have become wiser in their generation than the sons of light. We are indifferent about what happens there. They know what happens there. They are under the sword. They are serving a defeated enemy, but at least certain laws, because they are set for the spirit realm, They cannot be broken, whether by Christian or non-Christian. You find that they will apply those laws and those laws will work for them. Christians, we're just normal people who go to church, speak in tongues, pray, scream, and at the end of the day, when it comes to building nations, changing generations, we we don't have a word there, you see? And that's the generation that we're tired of. We must be able to represent. He says, occupy until I come. Now, the word occupation there, if I even dare to speak about it, I would need ours. Are you following what I'm saying? So, this world, this realm that I'm talking about, you cannot walk, you cannot run, you cannot function without applying yourself to the laws of that world. If you learn those laws, this physical realm, this material world will simply agree with you. It's the reconciliation of what has been unveiled into revelation because you have its understanding. And if it's stuck to divine purpose in the physical realm, it will manifest. It has no choice. You see? For example, one fundamental law, the law of seed and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Genesis 8.22. He says, for as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. But they say for as long as the earth remaineth. Oh yes. Let me explain it. You cannot change day and you cannot change the laws that govern how the night comes. See? The sun is shining, it's going to be evening. You can't close that. And tomorrow morning, it's going to be the same. You have no control over day and night. You have no control over the season, summer and winter. You have no control over cold and heat. Okay? But, seed time and harvest. Seed time, specifically, is in your ambits. It's in your confines. It's in the place of your responsibility. I love that he said seed time. He did not say seed. He said seed time. You see? Now, the word seed time there is not only of earthly connotation. It has a spiritual connotation because... If I tell you, show me time, what will you show me? If I say, show me time, where is it? Where is time? Show me time. Would you show me anything? No. Now there, they're not just talking about the time to sow seeds in a season. No, 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 that's for the physical world. But seed time is a certain work of wisdom in the spirit realm. You understand what I'm saying? Luke eight eleven 11 tells us that the seed is the word of God. Can you show me the word with your physical eye? You cannot. Show me the word of God. You cannot show it to me. What you have a word's written, but if I told you, show me the word, what will you show me? You won't show me anything. But then a man tells you that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have touched, that which we have tested, looked upon and handled with our hands, The very word of life. Wow. They had a tangible experience where they touched it. Is that a physical touch? No. They had an experience where they saw it. Is that a physical eye? No. Did they handle it physically? No. Did they test it physically? No. But they had another bearing in a world where it was so real that they could touch it. They could sense it. They could test it. They could feel it. They could handle it. And he says, concerning the word of this life, these are the things that we have tested seen, And these are the things we are trying to give you in the physical realm because we bear witness of these things. And we had had fellowship with the Father concerning these things. These things we give you that you might have fellowship with us, he says, because our fellowship is with the Father and his son, Jesus. That means we have something here that we carry it has been an experience of communion and fellowship. We've tested it. A spiritual man has touched it. he' smelt it. He's handled it. Now we are inviting you to have fellowship with us because our fellowship is in the world that you do not see. We are operating there. We're not just bystanders seeing things flying and we're doing nothing about it. Seed time is important. But again, seed time Oof. when you talk about time, you're talking about a fourth dimensional reality. Somebody might say, ha, what is fourth dimensional reality? Okay, let me also warn you as I continue to teach. I might share many things that you don't understand. Don't worry. Don't worry. But things they're saying is hard. But if they are true, you better know them. You understand? So, I might share things that you don't understand. Don't worry. Just get this, that I'm speaking to your spirit man, not this one. As you continue listening to me today, next week, next year. They will shift from here and reconcile here. So don't worry if you don't understand it now. Just receive it as it is. Okay? When you hear people say amen, even you what? Say amen. When you see people clapping, you also clap. Just don't worry. Just go with the team later. Later. Later later you'll get it. Don't worry. Later you'll get it. Okay, the world is third dimension. The world is a three-dimensional world. You understand what I'm saying? It's a three-dimensional world. Your physical eye sees that world. It's either that or that or this. Shapes, forms, all of that. It's either this way or that way. It's length, width, height. It's like that. It's three-dimensional. So, a man who is three-dimensional, even in the spirit realm, they only understand things from that dimension. Now why I say time is 4 dimensional for example, because your time is not God's time. Do you agree? The Bible says one day in the house of the Lord is like what? A thousand in the world. That means the way you calculate time chronos is not the way God calculates time, kairos. God's timing is kairos. Your timing is chronos. Chronology. You see events as they happen. Hmm? Every second counts because you understand life through periods. That's how you see life. But if your eyes were open to understand how the world truly works, certain things are not subject to your law of how you see time. Do you understand what I'm saying? And there are things even now in our present world that we are not able to explain according to how we understand time. You see? There are always exceptions to every rule in the time of men. This is the time babies should be born. A woman by this month should have a baby out. Do all have babies at that time? No. Some more days, some earlier. See, this is a time a child should talk. Do all children talk at the same time? No. There are variations. That's a simple example. So it is with the deeper realms of manifestation in life that you know, you went to school, graduated. This is the time we expect you now to be making money. But are all rich at the time when they were expected to be rich? No. Some people, by that age where they should have made wealth, they were way wealthier than they would ever need to work in their lifetime. And some, by the time they're supposed to be making money, they're still in their father's houses, still eating their food. Time has dealt differently for every one of them. Are they all with 24 hours? Yes. Perhaps they had the same opportunities in life. But certain things have changed because of time. See? So that's relative. So fourth dimensional, seed time is not just physical, it is also what? Spiritual. Primarily spiritual. Primarily spiritual. But it depends on the vision, the dimension in which you function. It's where we get to judge. One day I had a fellow teaching about the dimensions of the spirit. I'll give you an example a fellow was teaching about the dimensions of the spirit. And then this individual taught first dimension, second dimension, third dimension. And they spoke or taught up to the 12th dimension. And it's amazing that everything they were speaking was true. The only difference is that from where I saw or the vision that I've had concerning the dimensions of the spirit, By the time they were in the 12th dimension, which everything they spoke was true, in my world, it was the 4th dimension. In my world, they were just in the 4th dimension. But it's only because they had the opportunity to break down every one of these dimensions. And it seems as though in breaking, for example, the first dimension down, to understand it, they sort of saw variations in that dimension and they call those variations dimensions too. You understand what I'm saying? So somebody gets into a second dimensional world and then starts to break through, contemplate it and, you know, breaks, splits every molecule and atom and then it gets there into a, that nanoparticle. And then when they see that depth within that second dimension because they have not seen or had the full vision of it, they could actually assume that that's another dimension of the spirit. No, but it's just a variable element within the same dimension. Okay, let me give you a simple example. Moses has a certain place with God. Aaron and Miriam have a certain place with God. Okay, and then one day, Moses gets married to a Cushite woman. And when he gets married to a Cushite woman, Aaron and Miriam refuse. They refuse. One, God had commanded the children of Israel in oracle that they should not marry with the heathen. Were they true? Yes, in that dimension. Aaron and Miriam were not wrong. That is why in fact they bust and say, does the Lord not speak to us also? Has he only spoken to Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? You see? That means perhaps they even took time To say, what is this guy doing? And all they could receive was the answer of the dimension to which they belonged. And then, God had it. He had them. And then he was angry. Then he calls them out. That's when we really realize the heart of God in this. And he says, look, when I speak to a prophet, I speak to them through visions and dreams. In what I'm able to speak through visions and dreams, there's a limitation of language. I cannot speak beyond a certain language if I'm in the realm of vision. That's what God is saying. I cannot speak beyond a certain language if I'm in the realm of dreams. But, he said, that is not how I speak to Moses. That means Moses has a different vision or perception concerning the same God. He says, for I speak to him deliberately, straight." I don't use dark speeches. I don't use hidden sentences. He says, I speak to him mouth to mouth and the very form of God he beholds. He beholds the similitude by similitude. And he tells them, are you not afraid to speak on my servant, Moses? He's not saying that Aaron and Miriam are wrong. He's only saying, you should have respected that from the dimension wherewith I speak to you is not the dimension from wherewith I speak to this man and therefore limited your judgments because judgments are only in the reconciliations of revelation and intellect. And you might have the right intellect to interpret what I have spoken, but you don't have enough revelation to judge this. Who has understood it? Kushai, you say you shouldn't marry Heathen. Heathen people. We should marry from our own people. Our fathers, you remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You remember the story? He sends his servant and tells him, go to my people and get my son. A wife. But Moses has broken the cord. Not because he's rebellious. But God is trying to tell you and I that don't assume you know Everything. Because you have a realm from where you function to judge. Maybe I function in realms higher than you. And in some realms there might come contradictions that I'm not agreeable to your laws. That does not make me wrong. God, you chose Jacob. So you'd say. Why would he need to steal his brother's birthright? Isn't he a thief? Oh no, you're speaking because you are in an inferior realm of vision. If your vision matures, you'll not call Jacob a supplanter. The ways of God require a very deep consecration of the human heart to understand. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. When you learn this, and this is a stern warning to believers, when you understand this, Be very slow to judge a man of God or woman of God. Be very slow. Don't ever be found in a place where you're judging. Uh -uh. It's none of your business. Just keep your course because you don't know where this is going. Some of you, everything you receive has to be true. You see, oh, I think they've said this about this sister. It must be true. Really? What if you discover another narrative? What do you do? Vision, to have the right perception of things. Some of you, you're not mature enough to judge certain things. The man of the book says, I do not exercise myself in realms higher than I. So the Bible says, in things higher than my comprehension. It's wisdom. Some things act like you don't know, because that's the true sign of knowing. Do you understand? Oh, Apostle, you must have an opinion about this. You're a man of God. And sometimes I tell them, I have no opinion. I'm not judging it. Not because I'm not judging it. But I'm saying, this is not my place. So be very slow to judge your fellow Christians. Be very slow to judge people. Because you have seen, oh, they told me this sister is uh, this. And then you run. No, 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 be, be very slow. Be very slow. Are you following what I'm saying? David and his men are hungry. And they enter. And eat food they're not supposed to eat. But God doesn't judge him. That was the first time we saw something like that. We thought God was going to smite him. But he didn't. Because David functioned from a higher place. Certain judgments are for certain realms. So when Paul continues to grow in God, you find him make statements like, it's a small thing for me to judge myself. Or for any man to judge me, for I know nothing of myself. As you die to the self, the higher the judgments in vision. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that God doesn't expect certain things from us. No. But I'm only trying to tell you that a man has a problem with the Son of God because he's healing on the Sabbath. He's a Pharisee, a Sadducee. And he said, he's saying, You were doing this on the Sabbath. Why are we not told not to do this on the Sabbath? And he's right. He's true from the realm of what he sees. But he doesn't have the full picture. Did he know he was judging God? Come on, answer me. Did he know he was judging God? He did not know he was judging God, but he was. (laughs) He was judging God. So be very slow to jump, to judge. Exercise things only in the realm where you see. A fourth dimensional reality can only judge a third dimensional experience. It cannot judge a fifth dimension. Even when you're in the fourth dimension, you're not by the laws of the spirit allowed to judge the fourth dimension because that's where you are. That means you are progressive. Gnosis. Gnosco. Progressive knowledge. Not epignosis. The complete and perfect knowledge of God of things ethical and divine. You're not there yet. If you're fifth dimension, you can only judge dimensions lower. You cannot judge the dimension you're in or any dimension higher. Are you following what I'm saying? So stick where you are and allow God to grow you first. Jesus, I'll give you an example. I was telling people that I'm so blessed that sometimes when I'm praying or seeking God concerning a thing, sometimes when I read scripture, my spirit is carried to the event. No, I don't imagine it playing. It's not me defining this in my head, it's my spirit taken to an event in life. Why? Because. When you have that kind of experience, it's amazing the details you pick. So is the spirit of revelation. So one day, I'm taken to the place of Pilate. He wants to save Jesus by tricking these people and he brings them another option. Okay? And I'm there. I could see Jesus. I could see Barabbas the thief. I could see the people. If you give me a pencil, I will draw them. It was playing. And then the Lord Jesus tells me, watch this. I want to teach you something. I've read that story before. I know it. Many of us who read the Bible know it. But that day, not in the dimension that I saw what I saw. Because who was Barabbas? Barabbas was the most wicked thief we knew in that time. He was a thief and wicked. He was a wicked man. And at one point, these people say, no, let's get this man out of society. He's not good for society. They incarcerate him. If he goes out, he'll kill somebody. If he goes up, he'll rob somebody. He'll harm somebody. He'll rape a child. Put him out. And then one day, This man knows if the most hated man is Barabbas. Let me put the most hated man against the man who has raised dead men, cleansed lepers, healed the sick, (laughs) made the crippled walk. Let me get this guy and put the two. Because I think they have enough common sense to know who is more dangerous. Who do I release to you? Barabbas or Jesus? And they tell him, give us Barabbas. You know why you're laughing? Because... It's obvious to you. But I wish those three fingers that are pointing at you really go into deeply thinking that if at one point Israel was blind to a point where they judged an innocent man to death, what is the possibility that a majority can be wrong? What is the possibility that even you could be blind? to your own malevolent (laughs) interpretation of life. You too could be blind to what is really true and proper. But you can laugh at them because it seemed obvious. In their world, it wasn't. Not only did they ask to release to them this man, they asked that Jesus would be crucified. Crucify him crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And all of that was in the name of a faith. From the very scriptures in which he's prophesied, is the very scriptures in which they were blinded. And so to really understand the awakening of God. It's a hard, hard conversation because of how many people in the world are actually asleep. They're asleep. They're asleep. Are you following what I'm saying? They're asleep. They are asleep. Many people are asleep. Many people don't see things the way they actually are supposed to be seen. That's a challenge now that nations like Europe, what America is going through right now, that they don't even know who should lead that nation. They have a wrong standing. Why is it important for us to pray for America? Because they are our older brother. Everything we have, they gave us through the gospel. They have led the world for a long time. But now they don't even know. Many cannot see what was true and what wasn't true about their own leaders. But every other day they see the decadence. The corruption that is coming in that world. And some of them don't even know what to tell their children over what was normal. Who is a man? Who is a woman? They don't have a language now that can explain that. Because some people are not even sure they're humans. Oh, you know, don't laugh. It's coming too. You see? So we have to pray. We have to pray that we keep the right vision of God. Somebody shout Hallelujah. Now back to what I'm sharing. So Paul tells us in Ephesians, the 6th chapter, 18th verse, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. So our prayer is supposed to be in the Spirit. Right? But I gave you a fundamental law. Among the many laws of the spirit realm, one of them is seed and harvest. Now let's go back. That means every line of prayer in the spirit carries an application according to the laws of the spirit. Now, I want you to look at praying in the spirit in the realm of the law of seed time and harvest. Because I told you it's a fundamental law to understand that every life of prayer on you is actually seed time. When you pray, you are sowing seed. You see what I'm saying? So prayer is one of those conduits for you to sow in the spirit. Now the Bible says in uh, Galatians chapter 6, verses 8, He that soweth to the flesh shall all of the flesh reap Corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So, seed time must come back again. That whatever you do, there are things you do, but you're sowing to the flesh, and there are things that you do, and you're sowing to the spirit. Prayer is one of those. Many other things, but prayer is one of those. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. That's why you see things breaking. And falling apart in your life, you sowed to the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap life. The life of God will be activated in whatever you do. Are you following? When we teach you the word, we are sowing spiritual things. Are you following what I'm saying? We are sowing. Alright? Sometimes you see people hearing the word and then you see them come, sometimes they put money uh, some of you might ask yourselves why is this person giving money again and yet they give can I explain it to you the difference is, when the Bible tells us do not come in the house of God empty handed it means we were called to be givers every time I come in the house of God whatever I'm doing there I have to give, every time I come in the house of God you understand what I'm saying, that's general but some give their tithe, some give an offering, you know Just who we are, okay? But then, sometimes, as you are in the house of God to worship Him, something would come and it is sown in your spirit and you feel that somebody has spoken something. An example, there was something that really troubled me. And then, one day, this wonderful man of God was used so amazingly in my life and in just a few words of his sermon, everything that I'd questioned was given an answer that day. What had happened? He had sown something spiritual in me. You see, I was commanded to respond to that word and I signed him a check of about 100 million shillings. Now, that's big and I could have given two or three, but that was my leading. It was my instruction from God. I'm just telling you the life I live, okay? And I found myself do that. But I can tell you something. That because I responded to that, God did something in my life that 100 million has nothing. Nothing, even close. You see what I'm saying? That was me responding to the seed. When Paul says, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, he asks, is it a great thing for you if we reap from you carnal things? You see what he's saying? He's not saying, give us. He's not begging. I don't think I'm that pastor. If you've been with me for long, you know. My CFO will tell you that even instances where a needs money and we don't call you and I get from my personal account to make sure that the ministry moves on. That's who I am. You see? So I'm not telling you because I want your substance. God has blessed me. I'm just trying to help you understand some of you that you need to mature and understand how the things of the spirit work. Okay? One day, something happened. It was like sort of supposed to be like a scandal, a big scandal in this ministry. I was innocent. We had done nothing, but somebody built up something so silly and then I went through a period and the Lord showed it to me. And when he showed it to me i started praying about it and then a a young girl she was about 12 years old she came and started bugging her mother i need to talk to apostle grace i had a dream about him i need to talk to apostle grace i had a dream about him she kept pestering and then they went through they bring this 12 year old girl to me 12 years and this girl says i had a dream she starts narrating the dream and everything i had seen was coming she had dreamt it and at the end of that dream In the dream, God was there with me and her, and he was explaining to me what to do. Are you following what I'm saying? She didn't preach anything to me, but a 12-year-old girl was used by God to speak into my destiny. And then, after that, I look at the parents, and I realize something. They looked so poor. And to respond to that word, I told the mother, I'm going to pay this girl's fees until the day she stops studying. see? Why did I pay fees for a 12 year old girl? I was responding to the seed of God she had planted on a scandal that would have destroyed this ministry. You see how God works? So there are things you might do and not understand them, but they have a ripple effect you're showing to an issue, a challenge coming in the spirit. The Bible says somewhere in Psalms 41, he says, blessed is he that considereth the poor. He says the Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. Imagine, you can go to a poor person and look for a family that is hungry and feed them and it might be your salvation. It might be the day God will heal you. It might be the day God will deliver you from a great trouble. Because you went out to an old woman who lacked food and you gave her a meal. Some of you don't understand how the world works. You find a Christian who lives all their lives taking. Ever since you came to this church, you're just taking. In your relationship, you're a taker. In your business, you're a taker. At your workplace, you're a taker. Even in your own family, you don't have money. You don't always have money. You're the one who has nothing. You're not a giver. You're a taker. That's the life of a troubled person. Are you following what I'm saying? So sometimes when you see us feed these street children every Sunday, there's something we're doing. When you see us go in prison every week, actually, if our ministries is in prison, there's something we're doing. In COVID season, this ministry was paying for the bills of hospice, Africa, because their donors had pulled out and they had close to 4,000 patients. Some don't have morphine, Some don't have food. Some don't have anything. And then they approached us. And our giving went to hospice to sustain cancer patients for many months. Did you know? You didn't know. You didn't know. You had no clue. Some of you are hearing it for the first time. Because there are people who don't understand our responsibility. Every year we are buying land for churches. Every year. And they don't have our names. No. They have other names and different visions. It's just a life. We're preserving something. But we're sowing to the Spirit. So he says, if he looks after the poor, the Bible says, I shall deliver him in time of trouble. Verses 2. He says, the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. Do you know that you can be alive because of (laughs) that orphan in your house? That orphan you're treating like the nursing. Do you know perhaps some of you are alive because of that orphan in your house? That's sowing to the Spirit. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou will not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. God would not deliver me into the will of my enemies. I had to pay fees. You see what I'm saying? Next verse. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languish, And you'll make all his bed in sickness. That means he will cure you. He will nurse you and heal you. Why? He began by a small. The only mistake is That some people get that portion of scripture and then build a doctrine of sow a seed so you can heal. That is demonic. It's from hell. It's not supposed to be provoked by the man of God. It's supposed to be led by the spirit in you. The point is, when the spirit tells you to do such things, respond. Learn to be big givers for God. You see what I'm saying? And giving big is not how much you give. There's a man who is earning 100 million shillings a month and they've given God a million shillings. Right? And there's another man who is earning 100,000 shillings and they've given God 20,000. Who is the bigger giver? Huh? The one who gave 20,000 is the bigger giver. Not the man who gave a million. Of his what? 100 million. So I have a problem with churches that say, oh, we are doing a, an award for the biggest givers in church. That's demonic. It's from hell. You will lose your power in the gospel. You don't do that. Why? Because God does not look at the value from the amount you give. He looks at the value from the heart. You remember the widow with the mite? You remember the widow of the mite? Yes. That is why in this ministry, we don't have special seats for big givers. Because perhaps... The biggest giver is seated in the back there. She received 20,000 shillings that month and gave God her 10. You're not a bigger giver than that woman because she gave 50% of her income. That's why you don't have special seats for the rich. No. Whether you're in the front or in the back, it's up to you. I don't know how your heart gives. You follow what I'm saying? And as Christians, we should not build that kind of culture. We're rewarding the biggest givers. What do you mean? What do you mean? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I just went a bit far to help some of us understand the wisdom of sowing. But back to our issue of prayer. That every line of prayer is seed and harvest. Harvest is result. It is answers. You see? But fundamentally, you cannot be effective in praying in the spirit without using the most ardent weapon. And that is tongues. (laughs) Tongues. I know there are people who have built doctrines of, oh, you know, don't pray in tongues. Oh, you know, it's not allowed. It's for the Old Testament. It's not for the new, whatever they say. But you see, I don't even want to argue on that because I'll beat them any day. Seriously, I'll defeat anyone who would bring up that conversation that tongues are for long ago. Why? Because that would mean that people are not being filled with the Spirit now. The Bible says they were baptized. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. As long as the Spirit still fills men. we Will expect divergent utterance. (laughs) Unless you tell me. That the Spirit that day did it that way. And it will never happen again. Yet after that in scripture. We saw men getting filled by the Spirit. Speaking in tongues. Up to now. You see. Paul says something in 1 Corinthians 14. Verses 14. He says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. See? My understanding is unfruitful. That means there are two ways to pray. There are two ways to pray. You can either pray in your understanding or with the spirit. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 15, he says, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Now, remember, the word of God is a a word of order. That's why when Luke is writing to Theophilus, he says, having had a perfect understanding of these things from the very first, I choose to write to thee in order, O excellent Theophilus, that thou might have the certainty of the things in which thou hast been instructed because our God is a God of order. Things come first not by coincidence. They are designed to come that way. Go back to that language of Corinthians. He says, I will pray with the Spirit, comma, and I will pray with the understanding also. That means understanding is secondary. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with my understanding also. Which comes first? With the Spirit. That means you are supposed to pray more with the Spirit than with the understanding. If you have one hour of prayer, I've always told people in Fonero, at least, at least if you're a poor praying person, pray one hour a day. Here in Fonero, that's someone who pray little. Whether you split it up and say 30 minutes, 30 minutes or 25 or 15, doesn't matter, but at least tarry for an hour and allow that. Do it for 90 days uninterrupted. You'll understand that there's a mystery there. Then it can grow. It will continue to grow. You don't worry about that. But if you come to what Paul is trying to tell us here he's telling you if for example you have an hour of prayer in a day if you can, pray 55 minutes in the spirit with tongues and finish your last 5 minutes in understanding you'll be more effective in prayer than a person who prays with their understanding for 2 hours because he that speaketh in tongues, the Bible says builds himself up he edifies himself. He speaks mysteries unto God. Builds himself up. He that speaketh in tongues. Praying always in the spirit. With your most holy faith, in one version says. Your most holy faith is speaking in tongues. That is why if you're here and you don't speak in tongues, tonight you're going to receive them. And nothing has liberated me in prayer. Because number one, when you pray in tongues, you can't pray outside the will of God. You can't. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is giving you utterance. How can you go wrong? You're going in prayer to curse a brother, and then you open your mouth and say, Rope, or diga, and the Holy Spirit translates, I love this person, bless them. The Bible says, He maketh intercession according to the will of the Father. So if you're in a situation where you don't know what to pray about, just open your mouth and He will give you the right interpretation. He will be saying, he is saying this because this is the right way for him to pray. This is the Holy Ghost through you giving you utterance. According to the will of the Father, don't have only special hours. Every time you're free, you're in a taxi and you're alone. And put wisdom in it. I know Christians who think that the louder you pray, the more God hears. You know. Some of you, you have problems in your family. People have issues with you because you can't pray silently. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You can pray under your breath. and You're praying and heaven is hearing. You can even pray in your heart. And heaven will hear. When you're at your workplace and you're in the computer, Santo, When you're in your car, you're driving back home. Instead of listening to it, no, you find yourself Masho Tala Robo, put some good worship, create the atmosphere, and drive home through jam. What was supposed to be jam becomes. Consecrated time with God. Yeah. You're walking to church, you're walking home, you're even your journey will become shorter. Do you know sometimes when I'm playing basketball, sometimes I just feel them flow out? I'm playing, I just went. <laughs> it comes because that's a life that I live. I live there. Hallelujah. It is not supposed to be something I only apply. It is a constant life. Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. With my spirit. In the spirit. You see? Understanding. Listen. Some of you forget. A person is not a great praying person because they have the right vocabulary. You know some of you get it wrong. Because somebody can, you know, speak deep words when they are praying. You say, ay, ay, yeah, 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 yeah. The realms, the distinctions. And then you say, oh, this person is a prayer warrior. Uh uh-uh, uh, bring a lame man and put them there. You bring a lame man, let them speak all they want and bring a lame man. One man will say, walk. And everything in that man's fiber of being will walk. And then another one will circumnavigate around the point with euphemisms if- and vocabularies. Nothing. Because it's not what you do here. It's what happens in there. Look at how Jesus healed the sick. He didn't use semantics. Little girl, rise, be healed. Your faith has made you whole. You think he didn't have encyclopedias? (laughs) Oh, glory to God. Such that you're not intimidated by vocabulary. Uh-uh. Results, 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 results. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then, go back to Ephesians 6. He added something. With all prayer, that means prayer is not one dimension. There are many types of prayer. And I can teach about that one day. Many types of prayer. Many kinds of prayer. There are many kinds of prayer. It's not one dimension. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Listen, and watching there unto. With all perseverance and supplication for all sins. Watching and watching. Prayer and watching. That means you're not just supposed to speak in the spirit, in tongues. But you are supposed to be actively available in your watchings. And what is watching? The Greek word there is a group neho. It means three things. You are circumspect, you are attentive, and you are ready in the spirit as you are praying. You see, like I said, it's not a place of passive abandonment. You don't just sit there and say, Bobo, and your mind is empty. Moro ro ba ba in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you your minds even wander. You start in tongues and then you go to Wanda and sit on a tray of pork. Not even a plate, a tray. Some of you, you eat trays of pork. You are speaking Jokoboro. Because you see, here's the danger. He said, your understanding is futile, but you speak speaking in tongues. So some people confuse the futility of their understanding as to think that it's supposed to be then passively participating like it's supposed to just be there because it's useless. No, this intellect, this faculty, God uses it. He needed it. It's the seat of meditation. Imagery is a very important thing. You're creating image there, icon, the Greek word. You see, you are creating things through your thinking. You are opening your mind for God to put images and instructions through your faculty. You have it for a purpose. Not just to pray and leave the mind blank. No. He says, as you're praying, keep your mind awake a lot. Keep it awake. Keep it ready to see whatever God is showing you. Keep it attentive to receive an instruction in there. Don't just pray like you don't expect anything. Keep it circumspect. The word there, circumspect, is the very word to mean prudent. Otherwise, if you're not those three things, you are sleepy. And to sleep does not necessarily mean physical. Although some of you begin from prayer and then you sleep. Not because you're going in a trance for God to minister to you. But because you are already asleep in the body. You're just going there spiritually. Then you wake up. In Jesus' name. (laughs) Hallelujah. To be circumspect is to be prudent. You know what Proverb says? That a prudent man foreseeth evil and hides himself. But the simple pass on and they're punished. What is this prudence? Being awake in the spirit. Watch. As you're praying, be careful of the images that are coming to you. Separate the images of your carnal, your flesh, man, and the images of the spirit. Or perhaps you are in the middle of prayer, and as you're praying, a vision comes, and then you see your little brother in a coffin. You were praying, and this vision came. Do you know the mistakes some of you just do? Yes, Father, as I was saying. <laughs> some of you, unfortunately, like the Bible says, if you are simple in prayer, it passes. You don't even see it. Not everything that God gives you for instruction comes to you clearly because Satan can attack you in the realm of vision to your spirit, in the realm of dreams, to your soul, When it comes to your body, in the realm of your faculty, your thoughts. Do you know there are people who don't dream? You really think God didn't send instruction through dream? No. But a certain spirit comes and takes over. In fact, I rebuke that spirit that has been sitting in somebody's dream world and you have not been able to dream. Get out! In Jesus' name. They don't receive instruction. Go back to the story of Pharaoh, he dreams a dream and he has no interpreter. What would have happened to him? Go back to the days of Daniel. The king could not even remember his dream. Yet it touched the destiny of his nation and his own destiny as an individual. But he could not remember the dream. What if Daniel was not available? To help him, not only remind him of the dream, but interpret it. Do you think that because you've forgotten it or you didn't dream it, it didn't come? Maybe you were just not awake, so it passed you. But then they make you safe. That just simply means you're simple and you will be punished. The prudence of the Spirit is nothing bypasses you that you're supposed to know. Nothing. Somebody shout hallelujah. Nothing bypasses you. That's the agency of prevenient grace. The critical faculty that is supposed to be on the altar of every praying man or woman. You must be able to see. You must be able to see. That's what he's talking about. watching. So you see your brother in a coffin. The fact that you have seen it in your prayer immediately. Oh I decree and I declare that my brother will not die. I cancel that spirit of death. Go! He will not die in Jesus' name. And then continue in your tongues. And perhaps as you're praying, you find yourself in the Mercedes Benz. <laughs> You come out of it and think that it's a diversionary tactic from the devil. No, maybe God is telling you this thing has been available for you. Oh, just enter there, spend a second and say, I thank you for my car in Jesus' mighty name. Go back to your tongues. See, that is a person who is active. They are attentive and they are prudent. You'll be amazed about the things God will do in your prayer life. Somebody shout amen. Of course, even Satan will send lies. He might show you a woman who is not your wife. That's why it's important for you to know the word. Because the truth will help you know this is not right. But sometimes you might show somebody really backbiting you and so you think you're just imagining it yet it's happening. Hey! 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 Don't say, I kill Nakakawa, I kill Nakakawa. No, don't kill Nakakawa. Just address the issue. The Bible says that no weapon fashioned against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against me, I hold in condemnation. If anybody is planning to speak any words evil against me, I cancel it right now in Jesus' name. Continue. Don't judge. Don't judge. Continue. If you're wrong, it's okay. If you're right, you've dealt with it. Tell your neighbor, participate in your prayer life. <laughs> then continue. But then there's also another sweet world where the liberties of the spirit are expressed. Again, it's a fundamental law. It's called the law of liberty. Where through the word, you capture something and create the vision of it. Hey ropa reparodiga zonde-go-sha. Hey, fanera is growing bigger. It is growing bigger. Thank you, Lord. Masatele Ribazegete. They are coming nation from nation to come and receive more shetelepa. Oh, look at our cathedral. My God, Look at those that are getting saved every day. Oh, I see miracles signs and wonders these are the thoughts of God and I know very well because he has plans to make me prosper and not to harm me concerning his kingdom oh they shall be increased and it shall be forever the zeal of the Lord performs this I cannot fail and as you're speaking in tongues oh it becomes beautiful you even connect from them and continue Masopara Robri Dego Shikata Hosi Lende Morikata Zibo Borina Lagato Hesika Mori rebo Jikele Sila Papa Rete Leke O Bayere in Jesus' name. But you know how many Christians pray? Father, we are tired of poverty. Man, 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 oh man, oh God, man. (laughs) Children, 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 children. No. Oh, I see my firstborn. I see Josiah. Oh, I see he's a prophet. Oh, I see he's changing the world. That's a praying person. But some of you, you have false humility, Jesus. Jesus. If you don't help us, who will help us? And then you even find yourself saying, Jesus, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. (laughs) Praying in the spirit means praying according to the word of God in your most holy face. Go with scripture. Go with tongues. Address whatever you see. Immediately arrest what you must arrest immediately and then continue with your tongues with the spirit and with your understanding. Also, have you learned something now? Riot. Demonstrate conflict. Reconcile. It's up to you. If you have not spoken in tongues, hey, right now, receive them. Just open your mouth. They are going to come. Receive them now. Just open your mouth. You're just going to feel them flow out of you. Receive it in Jesus' name. Now start to pray. Come on.
1: You make my life so beautiful, as you are, you have met me here enough, there's nothing better than this, that's where
0: In the way of the spirit, may prayer become so easy, effortless, and a light thing to do. May you progress, be propelled, transcend to the dimension, the degree of knowledge that God desires you. That you will change your world, change this world, change people. Pray for all men. God will give you a vision for whatever they are dealing with individually. generally. And you'll be able to know there's something happening here. Let me deal with it this way. Sometimes I pray and I see and and sometimes I'm carried in places and I'm in Djibouti and I see a woman. She's in her house. She's not breathing. And I pray for her. And she's healed. And I see names. I see places. I see events. Why? Because we are led by the Spirit. By the Spirit. I decree that you're healed. You're free. You're delivered. Your sky is shining. You have a wonderful week. You have a wonderful month ahead of you. A great year ahead of you. And the greatest years of your life are definitely ahead of you. Give the Lord a man-help of praise. Come on. Celebrate Jesus. if you have never given your life to Christ I want to give you an opportunity 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 to opportunity to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior Repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. I believe that you're my sacrifice for my redemption.
1: Today, I am born again. Amen. Amen. at the UMA Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. And for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the UMA Multipurpose Hall. Fenero. Make manifest.